It's good to turn around and, and see you. Again, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. And what's typical is that uh, I, I want to pray with you and you pray for us and for this. But what is not typical is, is that we have a dear, dear family with us tonight, or at least part of the family. And so I'd like to ask for Sujit to come up. Elijah, you can as well if you want to, but uh, for sure, we'll, take, uh, we'll, we'll consider you being here just such a grace to us. Uh, this family, for those of you that don't know, this is the Jacobs family or one part of the Jacobs family. We love them dearly and had the opportunity to send them this past year to Mumbai, to plant Cornerstone Mumbai in this city that is, uh, I mean, in real need of the hope of the gospel. All cities are in need of the hope of the gospel, but just the sheer numbers and access to the word of God and to the gospel are, are just overwhelming and staggering. And so we got to send this brother and his family, Elijah, and his wife and daughter and other son out there to this. And, and we are hoping to have more time with you while you're here. We're hoping for you to come and pray more with us, to, to preach God's word to us, and just to be with us. But this evening, I'd ask for you just to pray a blessing over this church and our time together. And feel free to share anything that's on your heart. I just don't know the mask etiquette. I just came from India, so I'm just going to take my mask off and pray. So. Absolutely. All right. Hey, it's so great to be here with the Frontline family. Um, you know, I, I stand in the space of my wife and two more kids, and uh, just so grateful for um, holding, holding this end of the rope over the last one year. So thank you. Thank you for standing with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... Just your mercy and your grace that flows in the gathering of your people. God, I, I pray, God, that you would, uh, even as we enjoy Jesus tonight, we ask, God, that we, we confess that Christ is our Lord. With our hearts and our words, we confess this. I pray that through your word, you would make this confession so, more, so much more real in our hearts, Lord God. Spirit of God, would you form us, shape us, Meet us, Lord God, in this space. Would you make Jesus Christ the Lord over our anxieties, over our doubts, over our worries, and over everything that we carry this season? Would you meet with us, Lord God? Would you meet with us and help my brother to, to preach to the joy of his father? And I pray that you will help us as your children to walk away from here, treasuring Jesus more in our hearts. We love you. Thank you for this gift of gathering. In Christ's name we pray. Thank love you, guys. One more aside just on, on Sujith being here. Uh, I can think of few people that have been more instrumental in, in this work and seeing this church planted than this brother and his family. So long before I, I showed up in this place, long before uh, we were gathering here, there were people that were praying for this work and that guy ha has been gathering and laboring and praying and discipling all these things. And so uh, Sujith, we are, we are thankful for what you and your family have done in this area and, and so grateful for it. Okay. Let's shift gears into this. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn to Luke chapter 1. I would love for you to, 
to think about, if you're not in the habit of bringing a Bible, I cannot encourage you enough to do this. We preach from the Bible. We, we preach uh, just straight through from the Bible. We never want to move from that. We're not preaching uh, just our own thoughts. It is always going to be grounded in the Bible. And I would just love for you to be in the habit of either on a device or actually in a printed word, have that. And, and I mean that so much in that I, I will get you a Bible. We will, we will get you a Bible if you need one. And it would be an honor and a joy to have that. So we're in Luke, which is uh, just the second book of the New Testament, a little bit after uh, the midway point in this, if you're, if you're looking for it. Again, there's no shame in, in getting right to the beginning and going to the table of contents. That is something regular to do, and just to familiarize yourself where these books are found. This is Luke, and this is these accounts of Jesus, accounts of the life of Jesus. And the, the book of Luke is one that's really interesting for us because he takes great pains to talk about how precise and detailed he is in, in giving his account in the account of it. So if you think about the Gospels as accounts from different perspectives, this is Luke, who this physician who says, man, I've taken great pains to, to write down what I've seen as accurately and as detailed as possible. And so as we get to this, and we talk about Sujith, as we talk about his family being here, and long before this work started in ways that anyone would have seen, we get to look at this account, which is, is similar in some ways, that God had been working in Mary's life long before she ever knew. God had been working in this woman's life. God knew about this manger. God knew about what would happen in this little town of Bethlehem. God knew about this and had been working towards this long before she had any idea of what was going to take place. Long before this moment. And right here, we have this spot, uh, what's called the Annunciation. This is the, the announcement to Mary that this is going to happen. The angel shows up. And says, this is going to take place. And we get to kind of step into this. And what I would love for us is just to think about where we've been in Advent, to think about what's happened around us and, and how we, we continue to point back to this promised king that's coming. There, there's a promised one that is coming. We, we've pointed and said, Advent isn't just another thing that we do. It's, it's not some church gimmick. It's actually pointing our longings to the one who is coming. This now and not yet that we spoke to last week. This, this, there are aspects that are now for us, and there's a, a, a whole other aspect which is not yet. And, and Mary is living in this now and not yet in a very real sense. There's also what we talked about last week, looking at the, the prophecy in Isaiah 11 and 12, this idea that, that God promises hope for even those who feel like they're cut off, for the, for the stumps in the room, for those that feel like life has not ended or, or gotten me to where I thought it would be. God is at work. And what we see right here is actually such a beautiful picture of every bit of it. And so as we step into it, we see this unique picture, this altogether unique picture. Sometimes we would say this unbelievable picture, but that's, that's actually incorrect. It's completely believable. What it is is unique in that there's never before and there will never again be this birth quite like this one. An announcement 
and truly a father like no other. And so as we step into it, I want you to see just not just the announcement, we're, we're uh, aware of that, and not just that this happens, but I want you to try to see the humanity in it and how God meets her in this moment and how beautiful it is. And so that really is our first point, uh, the humanity to this story. There, there's humanity centered in all of this that is really beautiful and is something that if we miss it, we actually miss so much of God's grace to her and to us right in this story. And so if you would, read with me. We're going to pick it up in verse 26, and we'll read a couple of verses. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, just pause right there for a second. We, we notice Luke's precision right off the bat. He gives the, the who and the what, the how, the, the, all of these things. He even gives the when, when all this is taking place. And it just reflects, it, it, it reflects the, the heart of the father, the heart of a, a detail-specific father. And that's going to only unfold as we walk through this. But this is a detail-specific father that actually knows and loves her. He didn't just grab her off the street. He, he actually sent Gabriel. He sent Gabriel with this announcement. He sent uh, Gabriel to, to love her. And when we start to notice these these details, we actually unfold the, the heart of the Father for each of us. And then notice, notice how Gabriel greets her. He comes in with the word greetings. He greetings, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Now that becomes really important as we march through this, but like, oh favored one, Grace upon your life. Greetings to you, grace upon your life. Think about this. He is sent from heaven. God, it says God sent. Uh, Gabriel was sent from God. He sent to her, and he's like, here's the one who has stared down heaven, who has been there with all the angels rejoicing and saying, worthy, worthy, worthy. And he looks on Mary in this place who has no idea what's about to happen. He looks on her, and he says, oh, Favored one. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. She, but she was greatly troubled at the same. That's like the most human aspect of this. Uh, like, think about this being recorded, and like, Luke wasn't here. He's probably talking to her. And of course, the Lord is, is filling him with this. But like he, he probably asked her about this. And, and like here is this. And you could just imagine her saying it. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Friends, the idea of Mary being greatly troubled and trying to discern what was said to her is like the most human reaction there possibly could be. 
She's freaked out. She is deeply concerned. She is trying to figure out what is going on. And here's Gabriel, and he says, do not be afraid. Do, do not be afraid. Yeah, as if that was going to calm all fears right there, right? Do not be afraid. You, uh, virgin, one who will be betrothed, you're going to conceive a baby in the, mo- in the, the strangest, most unique way of all time. It, it's like, instead of not being afraid, everything just ramps up in her life. All the stakes just went up. Everything uh, about the plans that she had five minutes before, everything that she was thinking about right before that, everything just went through the roof. And and if she was anything like us because she's a human, it's like, oh, yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But Gabriel's response is common, and this is one that we see throughout. This is one that when people come in contact with an angel proclaiming a message or the living God who's right there, what happens in Isaiah 6 is that they fall down terrified and saying, Lord, I am an unclean person right before you. You see, it's, it's scary to be seen. It's scary to be singled out. It's, it's scary to be selected. It, it's scary uh, when the focus becomes on you. It, it, it's scary. This is, there's scary stuff in normal life that gets our attention. There's, there are things in normal life that kind of uh, pull us to the brink and we're like, okay, I need the paper sack and I'm going to breathe into it. There are scary things all around us. And God knows that we're afraid to come close to him. God knows that these things, that we recognize that like this is something that we tremble over. And here is the response. Gabriel sent from God to her is, Mary, don't be afraid. Favored one, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. See, it's so much less scary just to try to get by to keep our head down, to just keep plowing through. It's so much scarier just to hope that no one notices or no one sees us. It's it's so much scarier never to put yourself out there and and just to go through the motions. And the irony of all of it is that it is so scary to think about God calling you into something or to to have that light kind of shine on your light. It's scary to think of God calling you into something different. All those things are scary It seems like the least safe place, and yet it is the spot in which you experience God's grace, where you experience God's provision, where for Mary, she experiences God's tenderness right here in her life. You see, confession, when we confess our sin to one another, that's actually really scary. Community, when we call you into community, that can be really scary. It can be scary to step into someone else's home and not knowing people and what that would look like. It's scary to be vulnerable with other people. It's scary to ask for prayer and ask for someone to come alongside you and pray for these areas that are disrupted or just altogether broken in our lives. Those things are scary, and yet it's right there in those spaces in which we we experience and we meet with the living God. In which his grace is seen in our life. Several weeks ago, we had 
we had a, a, a membership meeting, the first one for this church. And, when, and our next one, if you're not a member, I would encourage you to be a part of that. And one of the aspects of it was we, we were just praying and asking the Lord to, to be at work in our church, in our lives. And, and there was a sense of, of a word given in that time, in that space, in which it, it really seemed like the Lord gave us a word which landed for a couple in that room. And it wasn't like something funky that was just thought up. It was actually a a verse from Scripture, and it came directly from this. It came directly from Zephaniah 3.17, which is really interesting for us because Zephaniah 3.17 parallels exactly what is said here. It parallels so much of what is said right here in our passage. And so what we get is Zephaniah 3.17, this word that was given in our membership class. This word that came from a prophet years and years before the coming of Christ. And here's what it says. I think it's on the screen or on one of the screens. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He delights in you. He quiets you with his love and rejoices over you with singing. You see, in that moment, In that moment in our membership class, there was a real sense of not just that this word would be applicable to someone, but that it was applicable to a specific someone. And you could see in that moment how God met this couple in that moment and worked in their life. All of those things kind of are at play. There's there's a sense in which it's easy to try to avoid the light. It's easy to try to avoid being singled out. It's easy to, to, to be like, no, the, this feels really scary or really safe. And I would guess if that couple were here tonight, they would tell you, it's like, oh, that felt uncomfortable for a second. And then the Lord met them right here in it. It was a really beautiful moment in which it felt like God's grace, not just for them, but for each of us. And this passage echoes all of those same things. Gabriel comes to Mary and he says, Mary, the Lord is with you. Mary, he's mighty. He rejoices over you. He has your future in every bit of it. So as we see this, if we step back into it, I want you to see exactly how this unfolds. Look at uh, verse 32. Luke chapter 1, verse 32 says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, here we have, like, Mary could have only understood so much of this. She understands David, and she understands uh, so much of this, but not all that could be said. What is that going to look like? How this is going to unfold, the now and the not yet of it, the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. She couldn't have possibly understood all of that, but she had enough, even in this moment, she had everything she needed to believe and follow after God. She had everything she needed. And her response isn't one of defiance. It isn't one of like, hey, God, I don't know if I believe it. She's not, it, it the response isn't one in which it, it comes across as some arms folded. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this stuff. Listen to what she says. And Mary said to the angel, such a human question. She says, how will this be since I 
am a virgin. How is this going to happen? I mean, the humanity in this moment, the, the uniqueness in this announcement, the, the altogether like turning everything upside down right here in her world is all happening. And Gabriel actually tells her there's a plan. He speaks to this plan. And notice what he says, verse 35. And the angel answered her. He's answering her specific question right here. Like when we come to the Lord and we're like, God, I am here. Help me understand. Like here's an answer directly from the Lord, directly from this angel for her. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You see, the details are not all filled in for her. The details aren't even all filled in for us on what that looks like. For Mary, she didn't have everything. She didn't understand exactly how all this was going to work, but she had absolutely enough to be faithful in that moment. We see this as a theme throughout Scripture, but specifically right here, that there was a plan, that the Lord has a plan that he's working out in her life, and he's working out a plan in your life, and you don't have all the details to that plan, but you have enough to be faithful in your moment and where you are. He goes on, and he actually moves from the plan to actually giving uh, uh, some proof to her that this is actually happening, that it isn't just something talked about. He actually goes directly and says, look, God is already at work. Notice what he says in verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. When we talk about this, we, we often miss this Elizabeth part. We, we often move so fast and we just talk about Mary and we start singing songs about what she knew and what she didn't. We start saying all these things and, and we actually miss the, how God tenderly meets her and calms her heart and, and loves her in such a precious way and knows humanity, knows that there are going to be questions, knows all of these things. And here is Gabriel's answer from God is, Mary, you can trust all of this. Look at this woman who has been barren. Look at this woman who has been without a child, who is now in her old age. She's now past the age of having kids. And here she is at six months. God knew what she needed. I love these accounts in the Gospels where, where the leper is healed by Jesus, and Jesus doesn't just pronounce healing. He actually touches the leper <laughs> and actually goes right to the spot of not just physical need in the leper's life, but actually this deep, deep internal emotional need that is there from someone who has been cut off from everyone. And here you have something really similar in which this girl hears something altogether unique. Her world has just been turned upside down, and she is right here in this moment, and God lovingly, tenderly has already gone before her. 
granted the prayers of Elizabeth as a blessing and a promise to Mary. It's a blessing and a promise to her. The details, all of this, before anything has changed in Mary's life, God has been at work. And that's something for us too. That's something really important for us. Before things change in our life, God is already at work. And you might be in a spot right now where you think like, ah, like this is terrible. What is going on right here? We're in the, the, the thick uh, of all that is swirling around us culturally and, and just in our schools, in, in our city, in our hospitals, all around us. All these things are swirling and, and we're all praying that this will stop and we can get back to normal. And, and sometimes we forget that God is already at work. He's not caught off guard. He is not uh, on the sidelines. He, he's not asleep at the wheel. He's actually at work in, in what you're carrying and what you're scared of and what you're hurting with. God is at work. Gabriel points to the power that is at work in this. There, there is a power that God is using in all of this. There's a, there's a power for it. And notice where he goes to. Answering her question in verse 37, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And again, just step back from this for a moment. Step back from your familiarity with this story and recognize that this is Gabriel who comes literally from the throne room, comes literally from God, sent from God to us, who has seen uh, the wonders that God is able to do. He has seen it firsthand and he is able to tell her with confidence, there is nothing that is impossible with God. In the first two chapters, Mary's described with a lot of terms. She is favored by God. She's thoughtful. She's obedient. She's believing and worshipful. She's devoted. And even Luke goes on when describing the forming of the church. He names her in the company of that, that first church. He, he names her in that. And yet none of those qualities, none of those things for her or for Elizabeth, for that matter, are offered as the reason for God's work in her life. It isn't because she's some special woman. It isn't because she's better than all the other females that are out there. It isn't any of those types of things. It's all grace. It's all grace. God is so good to Mary. And yet this is, this is that right before. Like, we know where the story is going. We've, we've heard this story. Even if you haven't been in church, you've, you, you've heard that there's a baby born in Bethlehem. But we're in the right before, right? We're, we're in the, the nine months before. We're, we're in this spot before. We're years before she sees how this is going to play out. We're years before we see how Jesus is going to heal and bless all of this. We're in this right before where everything has been turned on its head. And, and here is Mary coming to grips with what has been told her. And, and I want you to pay really close attention to what comes next. Verse 38 says this. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
And the angel departed from her. Period. End of section. Mary has this unbelievable moment with the angel of the living God right before her. And then he's gone. In faith, she acknowledges God. She could not possibly have understood everything that this would mean for her life. She could not possibly have understood exactly how this was going to play out. She had more questions than she had answers. And she didn't have all the details. She didn't have everything that she would want to know about how this was going to play out. And yet she had enough to be faithful. Enough to say, God, wherever you lead, I will follow and whatever you say is true, I'm a servant of the Lord. And then she was suddenly alone. Stuck with this moment of all the questions and voices in your head where you're like, am I just crazy? What I just, did I just hallucinate that? Did I have some bad tacos or, or whatever we were thinking? Like, what happened? It, is that real? And the street is whirling around outside, and the noise of life is all going on, and the concerns and everything that is with it is still happening all around her. The angel had left. There's this real sense of the now and the not yet. She has this promise in that moment right then and there, and yet she won't even see how that will play out for months to come. Hey, friends, let me just bring this home for us. I, I don't know what you were going through right before you walked in tonight. I, I, I don't know what you carried in here this evening right before you walked into this place. If it was a good thing or, or a heavy thing, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you've been carrying this past week or this past year or longer. I don't know the, the longings of your heart that feel unfulfilled or the things that feel like they've just been turned upside down where you thought things were going this way and they've ended up here. I don't know if tonight or last week or ongoing, you feel like the stump or if you feel like the oak that has grown strong and mighty. I, I really don't know what was right before. But I do know that this promised son, that this son who was born in the most unique way, lived and came and died and rose again, is able to carry all of those fears and those hurts. And I have no idea what, it, what right before this evening looked like for you. I don't know what it looked like for your heart, but we're certain of this, that this living God, this son that is promised here in this passage is able to meet you right in those hurts, right in those longings, right in those fears, right in those, uh, those dreams unfulfilled, in those spots in which we're, we're too scared to name.
And maybe, like most of us, like me, I've I, I prayed so many times. I remember praying so many times, like, God, I, I, I don't expect a burning bush, but it would be really nice if I came home and, like, the chair was burning and talking to me. It would be really helpful, like, to know which direction to go in this. And maybe you have similar prayers where you're like, man, it would be really helpful if there was an angel that came and just told me what was about to happen. And let me just, like, highlight this passage for a second. It would freak you out. It would be grace, but it would also freak you out. And you have everything that you need right now to follow and to believe in this living God and what he's doing in your life and how he can meet you in every bit of it. Maybe you've been asking the Lord for a sign. And let me tell you that the word of God is your sign. This living one is your sign. These candles are your sign. This Advent season is your sign to remind you that there is a son that is promised who answers and meets us in all of our longings. In every bit in which we fear and in all of our hurts. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we ask for the, the faith that we see right here in Mary. That, that God, that you would meet us tenderly. That you would stir our hearts and our faith to say, God, uh, I don't know what you have before me, but I know that you are able. I don't know exactly what you're doing or how you're going to work this out, but I know that you're good. And Father, we ask that you'd stir our hearts, fill us with faith. If there are those that need prayer, that they would ask for it. If there are those who need to confess, that uh, you, would, you would lead us to that moment. If there, are there, if there are those here that feel alone, Lord, that you would stir our hearts and draw us to community. And that, God, that you would meet us. Because you're full of grace. And you show it through and through. We pray these things for your glory and our good. That we would remember the son who was promised. And the son who has come. And the son who has met us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.